I'm Holiday. I'm Taraday. I'm Independence Day. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa! Ah. <laughs> and now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. Would you welcome Mr. Warm? Picture it. <laughs> Sicily, 1912. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0, where we cover all crime. I am, as always, your host, the great white snark, Scotty J., and seated virtually across from me is the twisted and beautiful Monica. Hi. I, I, I'm looking forward, before we get into the show and everything, I'm looking forward to that um, new Wednesday Adams show on uh, Netflix. Yeah, well, like we're doing this special and I could have been, yeah, watching The Crown. <laughs> oh, well, we're doing our, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get you know I'll get this out tomorrow since this is our Thanksgiving Day show. Yeah, and, and we, I better give you some time to right actually um um editing and everything. So. Right, you watch The Crown? Oh yeah, uh huh. My ex girlfriend was heavily into watching that show, and and I I maintain this argument: Didn't we fight a war to get away from these people? Still interesting. Uh, yeah, I know. But we can watch it as entertainment. <laughs> well, it, aren't they now covering? And, and I'm, I'm just doing it, just throwing this out because I see the ads on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Aren't they doing now the uh, Charles and Diana years? Yeah, it's like the '90s years, like the oh, right where, uh, where he, where he told Camilla that he wanted to be her um, feminine hygiene product. Uh huh. I remember. I remember, like on. I I remember when that came out too. Oh yeah, that was um that yeah because I was Carvey. I was old enough to kind of, yeah I was old enough to watch back then. I remember. I have to find that on YouTube again. That was that was the last time. I, I mean that that cast was like my cast. So yeah. when they when they all left, I I stopped watching. That's well, like when I started watching was. Yeah, like the, well, there was um, three people like when I was younger that my mom that hosted that my mom let me watch. It was Fred Savage, okay, Patrick Swayze, okay. and um, Joe Montana. The, the, the famous Chippendales episode. Oh my god! Yeah, so that was the same. That was the first night um, Mariah Carey was on too. Before she went batshit crazy. Oh yeah, when she was just first starring. So yeah, I can see say that I saw that episode the very well, that skit, the very first time it aired. I you know I've seen them play it back over the years, and mm-hmm. how Mike Myers and Kevin Nealon and um, Jan Hook sat there yeah. and and not lost it. Oh uh, yeah. Uh huh. It is a testament to their skill. Yeah. Well, it's like you were there in Chicago the night. Yeah. I was, there the, I was there the afternoon yeah. they pulled them out. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can't believe, I, was, I can't believe it's going to be 25 years. Oh, gone way yeah. too soon. He, he was yeah. a, he, Chris Farley was, was a great. Uh-huh. And you know what's kind of weird? The um, Phil Hartman's last show. But the 
it was just him and Farley at, on the stage at the end. Mm. And it's like, that is just kind of creepy look back now. Because within five months, he was gone too then. Of course, completely different. Uh, The the best Chris Farley movie to this day is still Tommy Boy. Yeah, I I saw Black Sheep. Black Sheep was good, but there's a a line that I memorized from Tommy Boy, and I say Uh it every so often. Say, Ted, why would a man buy a guarantee? Why would a man buy something that's guaranteed? You know, guaranteed makes you feel all nice. You know, I could take a crap in the box market guaranteed. I got the time. Mm-hmm. But how do we know that the guarantee fairy is not a crazy glue sniffer? Build model airplanes, says the fairy. Well, we're not going to buy it. Next thing you know, you got money missing off your dress and your daughter's knocked up. I've seen it a hundred. I just love that whole scene. Dad's like sitting there with a plane in the cars. You guys over the corner puking. I was like, I I could put Tommy Boy on a loop. That was more of a, I have to say, more of a shocker though, because it was kind of like, well. Right. I could put Tommy Boy, I could put Tommy Boy on a loop and just still laugh. I could put that, Blues Brothers, and Step Brothers. Yeah, well, the birdcage for me. On the the bird, yeah, the birdcage because Robin Williams gives such a, a great performance yeah, in that movie. Yeah. That's like one of my all times. You no, know, you know, sometime when I'm out there visiting, we're going to have to sit and watch a movie together. Which Well, I've got next year, I said James can watch Scream. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Man, wait. Okay. So I'm just like, I'm going down like, you know, nostalgic with. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll refrain from sending him the ghost face killer figure. Okay. I'll, I'll wait a little bit. Yeah, because he's funny. I was like, well, Ghostface comes back. I'm like, well, I'm like, he was like, was that like, is he a demon? Or is it, well, no. No, he no, he's not Mike Myers. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for our Thanksgiving Day episode, uh, we decided we were going to resurrect the uh, tradition that Phil and I started with featuring a cannibal for Thanksgiving. And actually, it was my idea. To, well, not the oh, cannibal, right, but the are like, hey, we're going to do Thanksgiving one. Right. I'm gonna have to look up a, a a Christmas one later, but well, there's a bunch of them we get picked. Oh up. God, yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of the guy who um torched his in-laws. The name's escaping me, but he was dressed yeah. up as Santa when he did it. Yeah, it was California, where it was just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, but yeah, it was like. But, yeah, I got that. Now, now, normally you would think that we'd, we'd kick this off with Dahmer, but Dahmer's kind of in the news right now with the Netflix shows. And, and you also have already done them on this, too. So, right. Well, no, I, I actually do have um, a Dahmer script set up, but I, I wanted to wait for Dahmer. Yeah, but I thought that you also did him as Thanksgiving. Right. We uh, He was our very first Thanksgiving, our yeah. cannibal for the holiday. 
Yeah, plus that would end up being like a really long one too, because yeah, Bundy can't do them with like a one shot deal, and that's it. Because right, I think I broke him up into three parts. Yeah. So looking for a single episode, Cannibal, I had to go across the ocean to Australia to one that people people have requested off and on over the years. Miss Catherine Knight. Oh, Catherine's a fun one. Oh, yeah. That's All right. I was like, I hey, have yeah, no. Yeah, her, but don't know too much. So I'll well, be alert. I'm, well. I'm trying to get a. I'm, there's one that I want to get a hold of. I, I got to find the book. Um, they they did an episode of uh, on USA uh, Dear John about her. There they did a season. It was it was um, Christian Slater and oh, Betty uh, Broderick. Yeah, yeah, Betty Broderick. I I've been trying to get a hold of a book on her oh, because because Betty Betty seems like a fun person to to talk about. Yeah, I've always like I've missed going to see their graves. Oh, oh okay. Oh, but yes, they're on my definite. Like I have to right before. I die. I have to go see, you know, the broader graves. So, okay, continue. Sorry. All right. So let's get into Catherine here. She was born and raised in an unconventional and dysfunctional family environment like many of us here in the United States. Her mother, Barbara Ruffin, had been married to Jack Ruffin and lived with him in a small town of Aberdeen in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. Now, Knight's parents had four sons before Barbara began an adulterous relationship with Ken Knight, a friend and co-worker of her then-husband. And honestly, people, this is how it all starts off. They're usually their best friend or they're a co-worker. That's why I don't bring them people around someone I'm dating. I, I, I nip it in the bud. Or I usually bring Phil around and that usually does the trick. Seems to work. Speaking of which, no one has heard anything from him. Well, again, like, well, because I was, he was on my friends list for a while, and then I got dropped. I'm like, shocker. But um, yeah, it's weird. Wonder if he's even still alive, too. My brother hasn't heard anything either, so we don't know. No, no, well. Now, local backlash forced Barbara and Ken to move to Maury. None of her four sons went with her. Two eldest boys continued to reside with their father, and the two younger sons were sent to be raised by an aunt in Sydney. Barbara had four additional children with Ken, including twin girls born in 1955 in Tenterfield. Catherine was one of these twin daughters. In 1959, when Knight was four, Jack died, and his two older boys, who were well, they were living with Dad, they came and lived with Barbara and Ken. Oh. Barbie and Ken, the Australian version. When you buy the package, Barbie has like eight kids in the in the package, and yeah, Ken comes with a alcoholic koala bear and alcoholic kangaroo to go with it. And he's got a sound chip that sounds like distinctly like Paula Hogan in Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Ken was a violent alcoholic who would rape Barbara up to 10 times a day. 
okay, I'm not going to comment on that because rape is wrong, but oh, 10 times, man, that that's rough. Barbara, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex in men. That's a bit of a nervous share. Oh, man. You know, it's one thing to, as a young kid, to walk in on your parents. Is that scarring enough? But to have your mom sit there and tell, like, intimate details, you're like, no, mom, I, I want to watch Winnie the Pooh. Please be yeah. quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen this 10 times, but I, I still don't want to know how Pooh gets gets his gets unstuck from the from the hole. Just leave me alone, mom. Later, when Catherine complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sex act she did not want to perform, mom told her put up with it and stop complaining. They basically just like end this like the episode like with with that. <laughs> we don't have to add the other stuff to make this like already totally screwed up. I mean, just right. We could just end it right there. You know, just shut up yeah. and deal with it. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, like, and we're done. Okay. Good night, folks. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Oy. God. You know, that's the American equivalent of a uh, take one for the team. Uh huh. Right. Catherine claims she was frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though not by her dad, which continued until she was aged 11. Although there are doubts about the details, psychiatrists accept her claims, and the events have been largely confirmed by other members of the family. Oh, God, I would hate to sit in on that session. Barbara's great-grandmother was an indigenous Australian from the Moree area, who had married an Irishman. Barbara was proud of this fact and identified as Aboriginal. This was kept a family secret as there was considerable racism at the time in the area at the time, and Barbara's descent was a source of tension for the children. Apart from her twin sister, the only person whom Catherine was close to was her uncle, Oscar Knight, a champion horseman. Yeah, definitely that's a champion horseman's name too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sounds yeah. like, yeah, some sports name. She was devastated when he committed suicide in 1969 and continues to maintain that his ghost visits her. I hope he haunts her, like, really. Is she one of the ones that, uh, you know, the, one of those ladies that says, you know, that, that they're going to marry a ghost? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's because no man wants you, honey. You, even I have a limit for crazy. Uh-huh. The family moved back to Aberdeen the same year. When she attended Muswell Brook High School, Catherine became a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully who stood over smaller children. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who was subsequently found to have acted in self-defense. Oh, God. I I don't want to know what she was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. By contrast, when not in a rage, Knight was a model student and often earned awards for her good behavior. Probably because she really <laughs> she scared up. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Upon leaving school at 15, without having learned to read or write, seriously, she gained employment as a cutter in a clothing factory. Okay. So for, if, yeah. if, you're, if you haven't learned how to read or write by 15, uh-huh. I mean, there's a problem. Yeah. 
and I'm not I'm not disparaging you know adult um, illiteracy because there have been great strides in that field. But oh come on, man, she was in Australia. She could have learned how to read or write. Yeah, it wasn't the American public school system, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> What's this? What's this letter? A. No, this is a Z, dumbass. Which I have to say, I did much better in public school than the Catholic school, anyway. So, oh, if I went to Catholic school, people, yeah. So, if I had gone to Catholic school, they would have tried to perform an exorcist on me. Yeah, it was so. Okay, there. Yep. Twelve months later, she left to start what she referred to as her dream job. Oh God, I keep cutting up. Awful at the local abattoir. Oh, man, she, she's turning into Leatherface here. Mm-hmm. There, she was quickly promoted to boning and was given her own set of butcher's knives. <laughs> I bet that person's regretting their decision. Yeah, I, I was just in a weird frame of mind when you said she was promoted to boning. And how the knives were hung over her bed, so as Knight said, that they would always be handy if I needed them. A habit she continued until her incarceration everywhere she lived. You know, could she have been laying there in bed looking at him like a baby does a mobile? Probably. You know, re- reaching up and just, you know, like for real. I, I bet, yeah, I bet she did. And I can't believe I haven't like read more about her. Just, she's, Jesus, she's messed up. Catherine Knight first met co-worker David Stanford Kellett in 1973. Kellett engaged in heavy drinking, which stemmed from two traumatic incidents from his previous railway job in Coffs Harbor. First, when his best friend was killed in front of him in a shunting accident. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And later when he rescued injured occupants of a school bus in Kempsey, which had been struck by a train killing six children. And then that will do it also. Oh, Oh, God, yeah. He eventually lost a job due to deteriorating behavior and performance, but he soon got work at the nearby Aberdeen Apertoire and became close friends with Knight's brother. Run, buddy, run. I know, seriously. Often, if Kella got into a fight, Knight would step in and back him up with her fist. I, I want to see this. I, I want to see the barroom fights these two were involved in. Because you know the other guy got messed up bad. In Aberdeen, she was well known for physically threatening anyone who upset her. Knight married Kellett in 74 at her request. (laughs) She probably picked him up. You're going to marry me right now, man. She picked him up by the lapels of his shirt, pinned him against the wall, and we're getting married. With the couple arriving at the service on her motorcycle with a very intoxicated Kellett on the on the pillion. Isn't that how they do it in Vegas? They just show up drunk? Pretty sure. As soon as they arrived, Knight's mother, Barbara, gave Kellett some advice. Now, if you ever get motherly advice like this, take it. That old girl said to me, watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think about playing up on her, which is Australian for cheating on her. 
she'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. She probably got six or seven. Now on their wedding night, Knight tried to strangle Kellett. She later explained it was because he fell asleep after only having intercourse three times. You're lucky if you get it three times on your wedding night. And with this guy intoxicated, the, ooh, no. The, 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 no. Uh, no. Now, the marriage proved particularly violent. Well, shit. Yeah. And on one occasion, a heavily pregnant knight burned all of Kellogg's clothing and shoes before hitting him across the back of the head with a frying pan simply because he had arrived home late from a darts competition after reaching the finals. I wonder if they had a referee on call whenever this stuff happened. Their marriage had to be like a WWE event. I didn't even think of anything, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I, got nothing. I got nothing here. Yeah, They got two color commentators in the corner. All right, she comes out of the corner. She's swinging. Oh, she's got the frying pan early in the match, folks. In fear for his life, well, I would have been palming a blade at the wedding at the wedding myself. Uh, Kellefile fled before collapsing in a neighbor's house and was treated for a severely fractured skull. Had it been a cast iron pan. Had the, 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 those other frying pans that he used, they're not... You got to put a good enough force into him to fracture a skull. That's got to be cast iron. Police wanted to charge Knight, but she changed her behavior to ingratiating Kellett and talked him into dropping the charges. I'm not even. I got an idea on how she got him to change her mind, but I'm not going to elaborate on it. Feel free to think of anything, folks. In May of 76, shortly after the birth of their first child, who who probably came out wearing a referee shirt, Melissa Ann, Kellett left Knight for another woman and moved to Queensland, apparently unable to cope with abuse. Run, run. The next day, Knight was seen pushing her new baby in a stroller down the main street, violently throwing throwing the stroller from side to side. She was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and spent several weeks recovering. After being released, Knight placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before the train was due. What the hell? She then stole an axe, went into town, and threatened to kill several people. A vagrant in the district known as Old Ted his best friends with Sticky Joe, was foraging near the rail line, found and rescued Melissa, and by all accounts, only minutes before the train passed. She was arrested and again taken to St. Elmo's, but apparently she recovered and signed herself out the following day. A few days later, Knight slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives and demanded she drive her to Queensland to find Kellett. The woman escaped after they stopped at a service station, but by the time 
police arrived night had taken a young boy hostage and was threatening him with the knife. She was oh disarmed God. when yeah. She was disarmed when police attacked her with brooms. I can't we haven't even got into the part where it's the <laughs> Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm like God. And the fact that they had to beat her with brooms. Yeah. Okay, yeah, when police attacked her with brooms and was admitted to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital, Knight told the nurses she had intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he had repaired Kellett's car, which had allowed him to leave, and then killed both her husband and his mother when she arrived in Queensland. When police informed Kellett of the incident, he left his girlfriend and moved to Aberdeen with his mother to support Knight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't think we've said, oh, my God. I mean, we've done Bundy and Gacy and Manson, and we haven't been like, what? No. Like, as many times. This is insane. This, this, I mean, she's making American killers look relatively I, sane. Yeah. She's Night making was, my father look sane. I know. It's like, so dad. Like, like you had to leave it to fever upbringing. Um, yeah, compared to this. Uh-huh. Good Lord. Knight was released on August 9th, 1976, ironically, mentioning Manson, into the care of her mother-in-law and along with Kellett moved to Ipswich, a city west of Brisbane, where she obtained a job at the Dinmore Meatworks. On March 6th, 1980, hey, seven months before I showed up, they had another daughter, Natasha Marie. In 1984, Knight left Kellett and moved first to her parents' house in Aberdeen, then to a rented house in nearby Muswellbrook. Although she returned to work at the Abattoir, she injured her back the following year and went on a disability pension. Since she no longer needed to rent accommodation close to her work, the government gave her a housing commission residence in Aberdeen. They're probably scared of her. I know. Knight met 38-year-old minor David Saunders in 1986. A few months later, he moved in with her and her daughters, although he kept his old apartment in Scone. Smart move. Definitely. Knight soon became jealous regarding what he did when she was not around and would often throw him out. He would move back to his apartment where she would invariably follow and beg him to return. I'm sorry, honey. Please take me back. In Australian, though. In May 1987, she cut the throat. Oh, you bitch. In May 1987, she cut the throat of his two-month-old dingo pup in front of him for no more reason than as an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. Oh, I hate this. I'll see you next Tuesday. Before going on to knock him unconscious with a frying pan. There she is with a frying pan. Yeah. She gave birth to a third daughter, Sarah, which prompted Saunders to put a deposit on a house. Dumbass. Knight paid off the deposit when her workers' compensation came through in 1989. Knight decorated the house throughout with animal skin, skulls, horns, rusty animal chops. I can barely just even read this. Leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. No space, including the ceilings, was left uncovered. Blech. Man, she did the. If this didn't happen, I swear this would have been a script for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and they'd be like, you could basically another case of, oh, you couldn't make this. this." No. Somebody would bring the script in and be like, oh, please, nobody would believe this. 
kind of deal. Uh, yeah. Mm. Mm. This is Australia, folks. Remember, it started off as a English prison colony. Yeah. Thanks, England. <laughs> well, I mean, Georgia started off as a debtor's prison, so. Thanks, America. <laughs> <laughs> England is known for sending its miscreants across an ocean to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> American Australia included. We we are the result. Of, well, not. Re- no, we, we actually had. There was a different reason for settling in America, but I'll get to that in, in, in another show. After an argument in which she hit Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the abdomen with a pair of scissors. He got wise and moved back to Scone. But when he later returned home to Aberdeen, he found she had cut up all of his clothes. Saunders took a long service leave and went into hiding. Smart move. He probably went out there into the brush with the Aborigines and was like, hide me. Just just hide me. Take his chances with them or anything. <laughs> he was probably out there with uh with um I'm, I'm trying to think of his the crocodile hunter. Steve Irwin. Well, no, Steve Irwin's good. Thought, right, but he was hiding with Steve Irwin to get away from well, her. Like, who would have hide with Steve Irwin? I mean, come on. Like, after, like, one of the people that haven't, like, seen people in, like, ever, you know, like, take their chances with them is, is better. Right. You know what? <laughs> do I want to work with this man who jumps on saltwater crocs? Or do I want to stay with this crazy woman? I'll take my chances with the crocs. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Knight tried to find him, but no one admitting to knowing his whereabouts. Those are some friends. <laughs> that is a friend network right there. Several months later, Saunders returned to see his daughter and found that Knight had gone to the police and unjustly told them she was afraid of him. They issued her an apprehended violence order, which is our version of a restraining order, against him. He, he I would have been like, She's she's the crazy one. Check her for a frying pan. Pat her down. In 1991, Knight became pregnant by 43-year-old former abattoir co-worker John Chillingworth. There's a name right there. And gave birth the following year to a boy they named Eric. Their relationship lasted three years before she left him for a man she had been having an affair with for some time. John Price. John Charles Thomas Price was a father of three children when Knight began an affair with him. Reputedly a terrific bloke, liked by everyone who knew him, his own marriage had ended in 1988. While his two-year-old daughter had remained with his former wife, the two older children lived with him. He was well aware of her violent reputation as she moved into his house in 1995, and you still took her in? I'm sorry, what's wrong with the kids, too? Right. I I mean, if I knew about her violent past, I would be patting her down every time she came into a room. Um, I would hope you, like, see her the very first time and run screaming the other way. I would, if I seen her, I would go back to my ex-wife. Please take me back. <laughs> I don't care. You cheated on me. It's you or this crazy bitch with a frying pan. Bong. 
I love you, honey. His children liked her, and he was making a lot of money working in local mines, and apart from violent arguments, at first, life was a bunch of roses. Of course, it is always at the beginning. I mean, good lord. Well, yeah, she's not hitting him. She's not hitting him with a cast iron frying pan yet. Yeah, of course it's great. You know, like, duh. In 1998, Knight and Price fought over his refusal to marry her. Smart move. Smart move. In retaliation, she videotaped items he had allegedly stolen from work and sent the tape to his boss. Although the items are out-of-date medical kits that that he had scavenged from the company trash pit, he was fired from the job and he and he had held he'd help try this again. He held this job for 17 years. That same day. Okay, that same day he kicked her out and she returned to her own home while news of what she had done spread throughout the town. A few months later, Price restarted the relationship because he's crazy. Although he now refused to allow her to move in with him. Smart move. The fighting became more frequent and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they remained together. That is a sign. And your friends are smarter than you are. In February 2000, a series of assaults on Price culminated with Knight stabbing him in the chest. Finally fed up, he he kicked her out of his house. On February 29th, he stopped at the Schoon Magistrate's Court on his way to work and took out a restraining order in an attempt to keep her away from both himself and his children. Smart move. Duh. Like, a little late, though, buddy. <laughs> that afternoon, Bristol told his co-workers that if he did not come to work the next day, it would be because Knight had murdered him. Despite their pleas that Price should not return home, he stated that he was afraid Knight would kill his children if he did not. Yeah, that's called take the case. Yeah, he, 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 he's got a point there, though. Well, yeah, uh-huh. but it's like, then, then you all end up dead. Yay! Ugh. Price arrived home to find that Knight, although not there herself, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. He then spent the evening with his neighbors before returning home and going to bed at 11 p.m. Yeah, like go to sleep with a per- oh. sleep with one eye open. Earlier it's that day, yeah. Knight had bought new black lingerie and had videotaped all her children while making comments which have since been interpreted as a crude will. She later arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping and sat watching television for a few minutes before having a shower. She then woke Price and they had sex. Of course, because the guys are stupid. After which she fell asleep. Um, we're thinking with the wrong body part at that point. Oh, my God. <laughs> we it's... figure if we have sex with a crazy woman, she'll leave us alone. But then I've also heard and know from some experience that crazy women, crazy women are good in bed. At 6 a.m. the next day. A neighbor became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway. And when he did not arrive at work, his employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. Hmm. Both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him, but they alerted police after noticing blood on the front door. Breaking down the back door, police found Price's body 
with night comatose from taking a large number of pills. She had stabbed Price with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. According to the blood evidence, he awoke and tried to turn the light on before attempting to escape while Knight chased him through the house. You can just hear the Benny Hill. Right. The guy's like a dumbass. So he deserves me that comment about the Benny Hill running around. You know. Right. I'm, I'm hearing the theme in my head right now. Yeah. Them running through the house. And- uh-huh. He managed oh. to open the front door and get outside, but he either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. I'm going Later, to drag. Yeah. Knight went into Aberdeen and withdrew $1,000 from Price's account at an ATM. Price's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and back of his body, with many of the wounds extending into vital organs. Well, now, okay, with her working at an abattoir, she would know how to effectively stab somebody to kill them. Yeah, and then when you're like, I mean, 37 times, too, is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Odds are pretty much towards person, yeah, dying. Several hours after Price had died, ew, okay, ew. I kind of, I slightly take back the Benny Hill thing. Um, they skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook on the archer trap of a door to the lounge room. Dude, really? I have to, like, okay, Thanksgiving is um, canceled, people. <laughs> right. She then decapitated Price and cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat with baked potato pumpkin. Why? Why the pumpkin? <laughs> Zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash. Oh, yeah, yellow squash. That's disgusting anyway. And gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes beside each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve his body parts to his children. A third mm. meal was thrown on the back lawn for unknown reasons, and it is speculated that Knight had attempted to eat it but could not. Her slightly one redeeming <laughs> factor. This has been put forward in support of her claim that she has no memory of the crime. Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables. The pot was still warm, estimated to be at between 40 and 50 degrees Celsius, or 104 and 122 Fahrenheit, indicating that the cooking had taken place in the early morning. Sometime later, Knight arranged the body with the left arm draped over an empty 1.25 liter soft drink bottle with the legs crossed. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement demonstrating Knight's contempt for price. Which, yeah, whatever. Okay, if he's skinned, sitting on the couch. Yeah, isn't that enough? Yeah, I mean, oh, 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 oh. that's fine, but, oh, she, she, she posed him with a soda bottle. Oh, that's, that's, that's the worst thing she did. Okay, whatever. Knight had left a handwritten note on top of the photograph of Price. Bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh. It read. Time got you back. Jonathan, for ra- for raping my daughter, you two becks for Ross, for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. I have to just have to mention for you know, in your defense with reading that, it's like the spelling was atrocious because of how right. she wrote it. So. Right, not and, because and, you're just <laughs> well, no, and I mean, yeah. The, the, 
Well, when you didn't learn how to read or write, you're, you're well, going to. Yeah, true. So, yeah, it has the wrapping and daughters, yeah. D-O-U-T-E-R. So, okay. You think that's bad, man. I try reading like some of my history books when like people, you know, misspelled words. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, God. Yes, but this was back in. Um, oh, yeah. Well, this was like 22 so years ago. Excuse. Yeah. So, okay. The accusations in the note were found to be groundless. Knight's initial offer to plead guilty to manslaughter was rejected, and she was arraigned on March 2nd, 2001, on the charge of murdering Price, to which she entered a plea of not guilty. Eh, I didn't do it. Her trial was initially fixed for July 23rd, but it was adjourned due to the council's illness and it was reset for October 15th, 2001. When the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence. And five said, well, yeah, we'll take you up on that offer, man. When the witness list was read out loud to the prospects, several more dropped out after which the jury was impaneled. Knight's attorney then spoke to the judge who adjourned to the following day. The next morning, Knight changed her plea to guilty and the jury was dismissed. It was then made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change the day before. He had adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if she understood the consequences of a guilty plea and was fit to make such a plea. I get that. I mean, mental competency, you know, that. that. And also, she probably was packing a frying pan. Knight's legal team had planned to defend Knight by claiming amnesia and disassociation, a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane. Two more psychiatrists concluded that Knight suffered from borderline personality disorder. No reason has ever been given for the guilty plea, and despite giving it, she still refused to accept responsibility for her actions. At the sentencing hearing, her lawyers requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but the application was refused because the judge is like, nah, man, you were there. You need to hear this. When Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skidding and decapitation, she became hysterical and had to be sedated. 20, 20, 24 hours ago. I'm sorry. Anytime I hear that, I got to not connect them for moons. But... Yeah, but every time I, anytime I hear sedated, man. Not I'm... connect for moons with this. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Okay. On November 8th, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and her lack of remorse Required a severe penalty. Oh, yes, it does. Judge, take into effect what else she's done to other. I bet there was a list of ex-boyfriends and husbands. They're like, uh, we'll tell you what she did. I got a fractured skull from a frying pan. Pat her down. He sentenced her to life in prison, refused to fix a non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked never to be released. The first time that this has, hap- has been imposed on a woman in Australian history. In June... To a better person. Oh, right. In June of 2006, she appealed the life sentence, claiming that a penalty of life in prison 
without the possibility of parole was too severe for the killing. No, it's not. Richard Speck got that. Bundy, well, yeah, Bundy was fried. Yeah. Gacy and also, what Richard Speck said, like, if they knew how much fun I was having in here, they let me go. So, yeah. Justices Peter McClellan, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal in September, with Justice McClain writing in his judgment, this was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. And as of right now, she's still sitting there. How has nobody, like, shanked her yet? She has probably shanked some people. Yeah, I'm like, think, wait, like, you know, the fact that she is still alive gives my thought that the um, the guards with Dahmer just happened to, you know, look the other way. Because he only lasted, what, three years? Yeah, three years. And this um, still alive 16 years later, really? I mean, hmm. I think I think what did and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when we um when yeah, we, and actually, we cover Dahmer. Yeah, and I mean and technically it's really been like almost twenty one years that she's been um in jail, really. I think the guy who did it who killed Dahmer did it because he he said Dahmer was bragging about the murders. Yeah, but then they said like also cooked and like put up but also, the fact that he was given the opportunity to kill him too, basically, you know. So that's what I'm saying. Like the guards, right? Like just happened to, you know, like we didn't see anything, you know. Like, but that's what I'm saying. How can like if he had the opportunity? How like nobody has had the opportunity to? Like, I think they might be around twenty him. years. Oh. Uh, I think this is the one that's going to be the most upsetting. <laughs> It's right. Well, I know when you text me the other day, it's like, are we doing the Thanksgiving? Yeah, let me find a quick quick cannibal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll did yourself with this one, because good Lord. Oh, no, I don't think I've outdone myself yet. Well, no, I mean, like right now, as of now. This oh, is... as of now. Yeah, well, you just set, I can set the bar pretty high. I can find something uh-huh. more disgusting, but. Oh, my God. So... I, I won't. I don't think I've ever had my voice raised so much. <laughs> and I think that's well, the first time I've cursed actually an episode either, too. And that's well, like sometimes, what? you know, some. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, we've been doing this, what, since March. So yeah. that's. Well, sometimes you come across. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you come across that one person that just. Yeah, she was it. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing. Okay, here we go. Sometimes you just come across that one person that, you know, you just look and like, why are you alive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why sure. haven't you? Well, I keep thinking of, keep thinking of that uh, bit from Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Why won't you die? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. You oh. know, it, it. Yeah. It, it. It's a. It's a weird one. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, that's a nice way to go into our holiday, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we're going to wrap that one up. Uh, you're looking for us out there. We've got our Facebook page. We're on Spotify. If you have Spotify, you can find us there. Yeah, I'm trying to find here out more ways to get the Facebook. Right. Well, I'm I'm trying to get my uh, one iPod fixed that's got the two-factor authentication hooked up to it. Uh-huh. So once I get that fixed, I can actually get us up on uh, iTunes. Yay! Yeah, well, I found out how much it's going to cost me to get it fixed. And <laughs> not, not that bad. Probably okay. about, about 120. Uh-huh. Okay. But Best Buy's got to send it up to Apple to get fixed. Yeah, so. Yeah. Right. And they're like, well, it's going to come all out of, out of pocket. I'm like, how much? Oh, about 120. Oh, fuck. That ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, you know, a few hours at work for me. Yeah. When the internet's working. True. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Oh. Well, for Killers, Cults, Nut Jobs, I'm Scotty J. Say goodnight, Monica. Goodnight, Monica. And Catherine Knight can go suck an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holiday, everybody. I hope she chokes on it. Yeah. I hope oh, she chokes on a turkey leg tomorrow. You're oh. right. Okay. 